Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Oh, leave it out, you slag. Only joking, leave it in. But give it a wipe down afterwards. I'm Jack Beaumont, a.k.a. The Delicate Man's Leslie Grantham, a.k.a. Ricardo. Moto Mick is in town for episode eight, or whatever number this is. This is the point where series one ran out of puff. I'm glad to report there's still more to come of series two. Who is your daddy? Yeah, thought so. Have a jingle. Oh, what a cut. I'll go with Mick. 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 So did you want to kick off with some, uh, was it biking you were into? Wasn't it? So yeah, like growing up, I, uh, at the age of eight, started racing dirt bikes. From there, I was introduced to a world of, well, a lot of, uh, a lot of dodgy people to say the least. I mean, if you're into dirt bikes, you've got to be a certain kind of person. And then to go and race them in a field in the middle of fuck knows where, you have to be a different kind of person. Yeah. It's also considered a full contact sport. So when you're around them sorts of ages, you've got the dads who are fucking crazy, training their kids to be like pit bulls. And a lot of violence was... Uh... So the, dad, the dads having scraps? Dads were having scraps, kids were having scraps. I mean, a lot of racing... You know, it was a full contact, basically. Is it kind of like Ben-Hur with the chariots where people are like, kind of... Kind of, bro. Yeah. yeah, I mean, kind of. And I mean, growing up with that sort of mentality around people who were ready to do that sort of thing, you had to be one of the people who could compete. Yeah. So you had to compete off track as well. So, I mean, when that comes down to... You so you couldn't, you couldn't say, yeah, I'm up for the race, but I don't fancy the scrap afterwards. You have to, you have I mean, the truth of it is, is whether you fancied it or not, there was going to be punches flying. Yeah. And that was from the kids and the dads. And is that something that they're actually having disagreements over things? Or is it just like, no, we've had, we've had a race, now we're having a fight? Uh, sometimes it could just be some sort of feud that would come on from, oh, you done this way back. And yeah. even though it was considered a full contact sport and a lot of people would nudge it off and just say, that's racing and this is this kind of racing, a lot of people would take it into fisticuffs. I mean, on the track and off the track. I mean, I got into a lot of trouble because we actually, as I started going on in the years, maybe at the age of 10, I was doing a series of racing inside large stadiums, which is called Supercross. And I got into a lot of... The age of 10, you say? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, so we was travelling up and down the country, some of the biggest stadiums. And that was when I first started Supercross, which is a completely different kind of dirt bike racing. I got into a lot of trouble because I took that sort of mentality 
into that. Mm. So I had a coming together with someone on the track. And as we were coming off of the track, I kicked him <laughs> off of his bike in front of lots of people. Yeah. That didn't go down well. So, I mean, that was the only place it didn't fly. And I mean, to, to be honest, as the years went on, I raced until I was about 21 on the dirt bikes. So much, so much went on. Do you know what I mean? There were yeah. so many fights and it was just part of it. It was yeah. just part of the fact that you were racing this highly competitive sport on seriously dangerous machines, doing seriously dangerous jumps on loose surface. Mm. And it was just part of it. And a lot of the people were travellers and that was that was that's part of the culture man yeah. i mean like things would be settled you wouldn't just have disputes they would be settled sometimes and then i mean that that sort of mentality went on with it and then growing up like that i mean didn't have me in good stead for normal life going to school was not you know yeah. if you go to school you just had a fucking 60 jab oil exactly yeah. exactly and then you know you've just had a fight with three people and then his dad wanted to come and beat you up with a fucking hammer mm. and you know you're dealing with that on the weekend you go to school and someone gives it and yeah. you get you, your mentalities that way it's not going to fly and you're in primary school yeah. I mean you're the age of 10 like and you've got if anyone touches me I'm going to touch them yeah, yeah, yeah. mentality which you know isn't helpful in normal life did you see any people get seriously bad injuries? <laughs> Racing. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I, to be honest, it's it's no laughing joke. I see people pass away, and I see friends pass away. So, I mean, it's one of them sort of things. It's dangerous by nature, and uh, I see a lot of people get very badly injured. I'm talking compound fractures, bones coming out of skin. I see people get paralysed. Did you ever get a serious injury? Yeah. Yeah. I've broken. I think about eighteen bones in my body in the times that I was racing but like I said growing up with that mentality <clears throat> also meant that I applied that to everything in life so if I was jumping my BMX or if I was running down the road or fucking yeah. around in the woods I had as many injuries off of my bike as I did so yeah, you know and I mean to be honest I've had yeah I had one fracture in my back from racing bikes that could have paralysed me forever and I was very young I was about 11 and yeah I mean I carried on racing after that for a lot of years. How long were you out of action for? Um, so being that young, I was out of action for three and a half months. Um, you bought it so quick, didn't it, when you're that young? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I was going to the chiropractor a lot, and also there's something very interesting in the high sports realms that's available, which is laser healing technology. So there's one guy who specialises in healing bones with lasers and you go and pay and a lot of top sports people go and do it so that helped a lot so to be honest my recovery was a lot quicker than it should have been when I think back to it now because it was so competitive I I didn't have that balance for normal life do you know what I mean so when it comes to breaking the law I mean I knew I knew you know, I knew my parents broke, broke the law. I knew my granddad broke the law. I knew both my granddads broke the law. Yeah, yeah. What so, kind I mean, of what kind of uh, law breaking were they getting up to? So we can say that it was two different sides, two different families. Yeah. So one of my granddads was away for quite a long time for importing tons upon tons of. Mm. He was one of the. Biggest scores, I think, the uh, customs found back in the day. Is it? Did so, he break a couple of records? 
I think he did at the time. Yeah. And I think there was a very famous man who beat his record shortly after. Okay, I think... I think exactly. The All right. Yeah, so, I mean, on the other side, that's... You're talking about just London crime... You know, organized crime, late sixties. Yeah, you know, you, you know what sort of thing was going on back then. Yeah. And then, you know, generation after that, you know, football violence, drugs, more and more, and it just filtered down. I suppose it wasn't that I was ever taught. I I didn't know about it till a later age, till my granddad went back to prison for right. importing loads of fucking. Stuff. What age roughly did he go back for the second time? The second time. Because he would have been a granddad, so I'm thinking he was a comically old age when he went back the second time. <laughs> he weren't he weren't no young man, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, on the other side of fifty, so not to be too specific. Mm. So I mean, yeah, I I knew that holding the rules was not anything to really do. I was never taught to follow yeah. every. Come from a long tradition of rules getting bent, rules getting bent and broken, man. And yeah. to be honest, I mean, I suppose I calmed down. Yeah. I mean, I calmed down in terms of, you know, when I was young, I had a very different mentality and it was a, a lot worse. So, you know, as I've gotten older, I've had my own experiences. It's been yeah, been a different way of growing up, I suppose, you know. Yeah, I suppose you learned the hard way. The fucking hard way, bro. I caught many beatings, yeah. you know, from a young age. I mean, yeah, people's dads, like I said, people's dads came for me in racing, you know. How is a grown man in that world justifying coming after a 10-year-old kid? So I wasn't 10 at the time. This this guy I'm talking about, I was, let's say... Yeah. Me and the guy had a... His son had a coming on the track. Like, So we hit each other. He took me out completely. I was in the lead. I said to him, in the heat of the moment on the track, when we get back in, you're fucked, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Angry. I was in the lead. Yeah. Anyway, come in, he's come up to me, I've given him a couple digs, he's fallen over, his older brother stepped to me and I beat his older brother up and because I was in, you know, a helmet and yeah. heavy boots, yeah. the guy was like, you know, 19 and I still put him on his ass. and then five minutes later, his dad's come screaming around the corner with a claw hammer in his hand screaming bloody murder and if it wasn't for one of my friend's dads who jumped in front of him and then another friend's dad and uncle who then tried to subdue him I think someone would have been getting hit in the head with a hammer that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean genuinely and I, now I think of it I mean you know I'd seen adults act violently towards children before that but and I'd experienced it personally but not with a claw hammer not with a fucking claw hammer bro like he meant it do you yeah. know what I mean like and if it weren't for them two guys there, there would have been no one else in front of me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, what the fuck am I supposed to do it's then? Fucking dangerous world. Were, did either of your parents get scraps at the uh, racing? Uh, well, my, my only my mum was around. Mm. So, I mean, and my granddad as well. So, so was she the driving force? Was she the road, road, My granddad road? was. My granddad okay, as, right. as a car racer himself as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, he was always the driving force. He took a lot of pleasure out of all of it. And, uh, yeah, he funded everything. So, if it wasn't for him, his guidance, keeping me strong, racing, funding it, yeah. taking me all across Europe, I was very blessed. Are there any uh, standout stories that you think would be, before we move on, that you really want to tell? Stand-up stories. I, I, I wouldn't mind one involving a gypsy. That'd be nice. <laughs> okay, so here's a positive one. Yeah. So, when I was growing up, like I said, there was a lot of 
a lot of travellers, a lot of gypsies. And, you know, the difference is there. And to be honest, I'm not going to name names or point any fingers in any directions of who I was with. But the people that I grew up with, when we got to know each other, usually there was a scrap and then we became friends, which is a funny way of becoming friends. No, it's quite common though. And that happened. So anyway, one day we're at this big racetrack and it's over a weekend and my friend said to me, do you want to come and watch my fight later? It's a boxing match. I said, yeah, cool. I knew that they were, you know, travellers and yeah, that was cool. I'd been to been to everywhere that we've been together. So we went back to his now estate where they lived. And as we drove in, it was the funniest thing ever. Well, it was like something out of the fucking Godfather. Everyone came out of their houses because everyone on this estate was travellers. They all come out and Housing wave. estate, not Yeah, sorry. yeah, housing yeah. estate. Yeah, yeah, everyone had moved, but yeah. to the same housing estate. So everyone had come out and waved because the guy's older brother, who was a couple years older than me, who wasn't racing in the same thing, everyone knew he raced mm-hmm. and everyone knew he was a fighter. And, you know, they were, yeah. they were well-renowned. You know, they were a good family and everyone come out and was shaking everyone's hand as we turned up. And I'd never experienced that before. And that was extremely, you know, like almost humbling. Because, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, wow, like shit. Everyone's come out to say hi and then within 15 minutes we're in the back of this uh, sports hall behind some sort of establishment where there was a boxing match going on which you know we knew well I knew quite a few people who were fighting and they all were some cousin or some sort of relation and everyone's either called you know Mickey Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Any John Joes? <laughs> I have met a John Joe. I have met a John Joe. He was a wild guy. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah, we stayed, we watched this boxing match and uh yeah, chilled out. Everyone was chilling on this estate and I didn't really realise that it was such a strange experience until a lot of years later because Yeah, because when you're young you don't really take it in, you have an understanding. I mean yeah, I mean all of a sudden I'm with like you know, I'm I'm invited into this community where everyone's well respected, and I mean, you know, the people I met through racing dirt bikes. I mean, the experiences I had, positive and negative, but the people that I met and the people that took me in and showed me love, the travelling community. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I was there for five minutes, and all of a sudden, I mean, that was something really cool that I experienced. Yeah, but you know, all the all the blood, sweat, and tears. I could talk about that, but I mean, something special. That was special. You know yeah. what I mean? What was the, what was the um, was it an out, outdoor fight they were having? Was it like a? No, no, it was indoors. It was indoors. It resembled it community resembled, centre. Or something. Yeah, well, yeah, almost, <laughs> almost. It was like it was it was organised. Was, was it a bar? Organized. Tell me, it was a bar. It, what, there was a bar there. There was a bar there. No, I mean, bar. Oh, bomb. But no, what was the, what no. was the building in which the fight took place? Um, hmm. So, sort of like, you know, like, oh, sort of like if you were to go to the back of the gyms at your old school. Okay, right. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But a big room. Were, there, were all the women and, and girls like allowed to hang around there? Yeah, oh, it, it, it was a family big, event. Big, it was a complete family event. And you were taking absolute battering. Everyone was involved, and there was kids fighting from the age of seven all the way up to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, twenty something, and I mean, I, mean, I mean that sounds great. And some people will think that sounds barbaric, but well, I think, mate, if that's someone, that's someone's culture is just fighting. Exactly. No, no, one, no, one, no one dies. Do you know what? There was, there was, there was obviously a lot of respect for everyone in there because everyone shook hands, yeah. and it was a really nice thing because yeah. everyone was involved, and there was no one getting Larry or some bullshit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh fuck you, you want like what? Yeah, yeah. It was it's a good, really respectful fight. It's, it's part of growing. It's part of growing up in that culture, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it, it was part of growing up for me. 
as well because not only you know was yeah. I allowed to go and see that which was very rare and be a part of it and uh, yeah I mean growing up I I was involved in a lot of it as yeah, well because yeah, yeah, yeah. racing bikes I mean yeah that was something that I really liked you know something that I look back on and I think yeah that was kind of special Crime Hello, ladies and gentlemen, quickly, quickly, we haven't got long. Please listen to the all-new Angelo Sandbelly podcast. It's a funny one. Oh, my God, it's hilarious. There's so much muck in it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. By the age of about 13, I started writing graffiti. Although I was racing a lot, so I mean, graffiti was a secondary thing. I suppose I dipped my my toe a little bit a couple of times. I got nicked when I was a... I was actually on a train. Luckily enough, when I got caught, they didn't see me doing anything. We actually used to get on the back of the train when we were out painting when we were going home and just catch tags on the insides on the way back. And we'd move from every carriage and try and do it. Even though today, on the day, it was very packed. We were still doing it. So we made our way about four carriages up. And my mate goes, I'll go for a piss. I went, okay. As we're walking through, obviously, the cans are jingling in our bags. We didn't think too much of it. So my mate's gone in the toilet. Next thing you know, I've... By the... Well, let me just mention one thing. I'm actually nursing a broken collarbone. It's only been broken for two weeks. I've had one treatment on it. From motocross? Yeah. Yeah, yeah had a big crash. Big crash. <laughs> Landed on my head, broke my collarbone. Luckily enough, it wasn't my neck. I was wearing a neck brace. Anyway, so I'm nursing this break. I'm okay. Still out fucking around. But, you know, it hurts a lot. And this guy has come up. Didn't see him. Grabbed the back of my neck. Grabbed my arm. Twisted my arm up to my neck. On the side of my broken collarbone. Naturally, didn't didn't have... Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a breath in my body. I, was, I just breathed out. So I couldn't shout. So I just made some weird noise. And 
I went down because it hurt so much and he picked me back up and then I shouted. Next thing you know, some guys run over, grabbed him, gone, what the fuck are you doing? He's a kid, get off of him. And the guy's gone, I'm police, British Transport Police, plain clothes. I think he's plain clothes. I'm like, shit. So he's grabbed me up and I'm banging on the door going, it's police out here, it's police out here. Knowing that my mate's stupid enough to catch a fucking tag in the toilet. I was good going for catching tags. Anyway, the guy's grabbed me up again, thrown me up against the window again, saying he doesn't care. I'm lying about my collarbone. Next thing you know, some woman's come along on the phone. Turns out to be his missus, another copper. My mate's come out of the toilet, she's grabbed my mate, gone in there, seen the tags, grabbed him up. Next thing you know, they're on the phone saying, yeah, we're on this train, blah, 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 we're back on. They're like, right, we're taking you back to our seats. And we're like, the fuck, like... They're grabbing us, right? They didn't have cuffs on them. So we're like, this is weird. This is really weird. But they'd see, they'd taken out the badges. Turns out these cunts were on their fucking way back from holiday. They had their fucking suitcases where they were sitting. They heard our cans jingling and just come and pressed us. They didn't know about the fucking tags in the last carriages, yeah? Wankers, mate. Yeah. Fuck you, yeah. Proper hurt me. Made a stay on the train all the way to the last stop where, lo and behold, they've shut two fucking platforms for two fucking young boys, early teens, and Graffiti Squad is waiting there, re-arrested, put in cuffs, thrown in the back of a van, yeah? And I'm, like, trying to say, like, guys, like, this guy fucking hurt me, and they're going, stay silent, you've got the right to remain silent, and I'm like, fuck, whatever in it. So, thrown in cells, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, they told me they called my mum, and I was like, okay, and then they'd taken me into a place to get strip searched. Luckily, they were like, I don't think there's a reason to strip search him. So they took me down to my pants because I was a minor. My mum wasn't there. I didn't have a legal representative. And as this is happening, the guy who's doing it is telling me that they've raided my house. He's like, your mates grasped you up. We know what you write. We've raided your house. We've got everything. We've got all the cans. We've got all the sketches. And I'm like... Just didn't say nothing in it. I knew not to say nothing growing up. Did you believe that face value though? Do you believe him? I believed yeah, him, yeah. bro. Like, bro, I was, yeah. like, I was hurt. I was fucking, like, young. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, I I knew that I'd been doing something that I thought, fuck, they've got me through all that stuff. Yeah. And then I thought, shit, like, I've done a, I've done a bit today. And then I, in my head, like, young boy, like, no one was being nice to me. I was being treated like shit. And it was like, okay. I just didn't say nothing thinking my mum's going to get a lawyer. And then my mum turned up and they took me into the questioning room. Lo and behold, I was probably in the cells for like hours. Mm. I'm not even kidding. I was asking for water. They weren't bringing it to me. Like it was, it was weird. Yeah. And I, was, I knew, I knew something was off. Next thing you know, I'm in the, I'm in the room and they, the woman goes to me, we're going to take you out to your mum. Do you want us to provide you a lawyer? You will have to wait. But I said, no. Went into the questioning room. No comment, no comment, no comment. Whatever. Come back out. We're not charging you with anything. We're giving you we're giving you a caution that you were going equipped with articles to cause criminal damage. Right. Okay. Next thing you know, I can see my mum's not happy. She's like really not happy. My mum fucking hates the police. Like I said, I grew up, had no respect for the fucking police. Yeah. I was always taught to fucking hate the police. Yeah, yeah. For good fucking reason. It's crime club, you fucking back to front.
Anyway, my mum managed to get all of my spray paint given back to me. Um, yeah. She fucking argued that I wasn't getting charged with anything and therefore the evidence was yeah, no yeah. longer needed yeah, yeah, because yeah. I had no charge. It was a caution. And the, the constable at the time behind the big desk literally couldn't say nothing. So I got all my shit back in a big fucking British Transport Police see-through evidence bag. Stopped writing illegal graffiti seriously for quite a few years. I mean, obviously, that put me off a little bit. Yeah, and course, then yeah. not long after that, I knew people who were getting nicked and then people who were looking at jail time through affiliation, stuff like that. And, you know, that was around the time it wasn't long after had been put away, you know, and they had one of the biggest, big crew. Yeah, big crew. One of the biggest crews. They got put away. A lot of people were going down. A couple of years later, a big, big case went down. Vamp. You know, yeah. But so in this time, I wasn't really painting graffiti at all. I was focusing on racing. Later on, I make the decision to stop racing, focus on art, and I realised that graffiti is more of a part of art for for making art for me than anything. So graffiti is like an outlet. Graffiti yeah. is part of my process and to yeah, live. Yeah. Like I don't see it as it's a hobby. Like it's been so much a part of my life that. You know, without graffiti, I wouldn't be able to do artwork, you know. Mm. Going to uni wouldn't have happened if it yeah. wasn't for graffiti. And I think that the mentality of growing up racing bikes and dealing with facing, you know, being crippled or dying, like, yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you know. I, I always knew about graffiti, and then when I got older, I got into it properly, and I met a lot more serious people, and I got invited to do a lot more serious things. Yeah. And I've done them, and I didn't. I don't think if I wouldn't have had that mentality for racing, you know. And like, I think, I think in graffiti, like you've got one catalyst, which is anyone who paints graffiti is not your normal type of person. Yeah, they're just not. Whether they're fucking crazy, whether they're seriously dialed in and they know their shit, they're just not your average guy. Do you reckon there's something to do with maybe just? <clears throat> well, I kind of see graffiti as like basically a statement against the status quo. It's quite, or vague, vaguely, it's like I don't, yeah. I don't like this, and I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of it. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's definitely a major aspect of it. I don't think anyone who paints graffiti doesn't have that sort of fuck the police, fuck the system attitude. Because I mean, real graffiti is like full contact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've got to be willing to risk your freedom and your life in a lot of cases. You know, graffiti is a very dangerous thing. You know, you need to have that sort of fuck you mentality in a way because I think, you know, I think for me, like, it was just a natural progression in my life. The fact that racing wasn't there, it was like I needed something else. Yeah, like, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? I grew up with high intensity, dangerous environment. Because that's just another yeah. adrenaline kind of activity. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, like I said, I grew up having an aversion to authority. So all of a sudden, I've got this place, like I said, I didn't really fit in because I wasn't at school much, you know what I mean? Like, I, All of a sudden, I get older, I get more into art, less into racing, and find my find my people in graffiti. Yeah. This is where I see myself, this is where I recognise aspects of myself in people. And in a lot of aspects in life, I didn't. So, like I said, it was just a natural progression. And uh, I mean, yeah recognising 
recognizing myself in graffiti and recognizing graffiti's place in my life for being an art form and an outlet yeah. a form of therapy a form of you know expression in its most basic way mm. you know a lot of people hate it and you know I think that just comes down to um, you know a lack of empathy to be honest because if you can't recognise what it takes to be able to climb up onto the train tracks risk your fucking life against how many thousands of volts and do something mm. on your own that maybe no one will see maybe no one will read it yeah you know that I mean it's that type of mentality if people don't like it you know people need to just think about what it's like to actually be in someone else's shoes you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah absolutely. and I think yeah you know there's a lot of outcasts in graffiti and it's, 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 a, it's a home and a comfort for a lot of people and everyone does it for a different reason but you know it's part of, it's part of life I mean it's part mm. of breathing you know as long as I'm alive it will be a part of my life in one way or another yeah you can see yourself still doing it in uh, years to come 100% I mean just like just like racing just like bikes do you know what I mean like I will always want to throw my leg over a bike. I will always want to go and catch a tag. And I think it's gonna be a fucked up club. Wrong and telling tales of so much stuff. It's not the kind of club they have at home. Oh, no, no, no. It's a crime club. So there, I thought that Mick's view of graffiti might provide a nice measured counterpoint to uh, Belinda's thoughts. What he also illustrates is how graffiti is the mutual interest of so many outsiders, and typically the outsiders that go on to live lives outside the law. Honestly, they're all at it at one stage or another. Uh, what they aren't all at, though, is riding motorbikes at the age of 10 and nearly getting their head caved in by grown men wielding metal. Thanks again to uh, Moto Mick. Lovely chat. Buy a crime club tank top, you swine. I have, up to this point, provided you with over eight hours of crime club content. Buy a tank top if you can afford it. Christ knows I can't. They are at podcastmerch.co.uk, amongst other less offensive items. Don't know what's on next week. Something, though. Cheers. something but what are you scared of join me sarah morgan for the fear a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror the secret lemonade drinker adverts geese that time on biker grove when Agma parlin got shot in the face with a paintball in each episode i interview funny interesting people i like people like phil jupiter alice lowe richard osman riley silverman and danielle ward about their biggest fears in a judgment-free environment it is spooktacular the fear and remember, do have nightmares because they're an entirely appropriate response to the horrors of modern living. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.